0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint here with my dearest friend and fellow bald brother, Jules. How's it going, buddy?
1: Hey, Big D. Big Big L even. Yeah, you, yeah.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that. Actually, we're, we're going on a quick detour. You know, for the longest in my childhood, my nickname was Big D. Was it? It was. Now, part of that might have been I was a little bigger at an early age, a little heftier. I think we might need to see some photos of this. Now, I think you've seen them. I think I don't. I, yeah. I want to say maybe. No, I don't I, think so. I, I yeah. try to keep those guarded. On the flip okay. side, it is part of who I was. Um, yeah. I mean, I was very athletic. I loved playing sports. I just had a slow metabolism maybe is the right <laughs> maybe that's the best way the best way to say it but i didn't have a slow
1: metabolism i just liked eating
0: well i liked eating also and i think the biggest problem was what i liked eating yeah you know it wasn't good i mean i might i might eat broccoli but i might have a double cheeseburger with it you know <laughs> so
1: i'm with you on that you can always pick the broccoli out and just
0: eat the cheeseburger yeah. but if I did that, I would cut the fries out. So well done. Yeah, well Thank done. you. Thank you. But you're, you're looking a little more tan, maybe.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking very tanned for somebody who's in the UK in February.
0: I know. You want to share where we, no one is, no one knows what you've been on your, the last time we discussed it, thank goodness was pre journey, you know, with the, door falling off but nothing happened so you're there and back i was
1: on a boeing and i did get quite nervous so um so now i've had a had a trip to to perth and melbourne in australia uh, just to make it clear not scotland and the and the central central england um it's great because my daughter lives in australia so i had a week where she came over and she she lay on the beach whilst i was working and then we met up in the evenings which was great so i had some quality time with india which was great um and and i suppose thinking about some of the things we talk about in terms of team building and and engagement and leadership we, we had a really good time because we had a we had a big company event where we we have an annual kickoff but also we all got together and did an activity afterwards, which was great. And again on the food theme, we cooked a sixty of us cooked a Mexican meal together, which sounds chaotic, but actually it was it was it was really good fun. It was it was a really good sort of team building activity. So and nobody nobody got food poisoning. That was the most important thing.
0: I was going to ask, I don't know that anyone has brought up how the food actually was. It was good pretty good well you know when you watch people cook if you don't know i mean you're what if you get a or a <laughs> you know a bougie,
1: or, a bougie in there yeah
0: yeah you know what if you get a little bug or a little cough or a little you, you never know so that's why i was curious
1: this is my little hidden secret i actually i actually trained to be a chef when i left school
0: you know i think you and i've talked about this i have told you because, that yeah I'm kind of jealous. I'm a good cook, honestly, but that would be that is if if I couldn't have made a pro golfer. Well, obviously I didn't. So let's rephrase that. <laughs> I would have loved to have been a chef.
1: Yeah. So my chipotle coleslaw was it was pretty good actually, even though I say it myself. Yeah. Um, but no, there were some some people some hidden talents that that emerged that evening. It was very good.
0: Well, good. But now you're back, I'm back from the down under back to the real world, and I think potentially maybe and i don't know i guess the the thoughts of were you able to talk to any but you know any um customers or any organizations while you were down there I don't know if we even talked about that
1: we had a we had a user forum which was great and and um I got to talk to talked to lots of customers um and it, and it was really interesting sort of to hear the things that they were focusing on and and again the same messages. is actually uh, it's, it's mainly the same kind of things that people focus on whether you're in the uk whether you're in australia whether you're in north america it's the same kind of things that people are focusing on to make a difference um and talked some interesting people might have got might have got one or two people who could potentially be podcast guests. Yeah. So we can introduce an Australian accent into the pod. Um, makes it very challenging with time zones to, to actually record it in the first place with you in Nashville, me here, and Australia, but I'm sure we can manage it. Um, so, so yeah, we might, we might spread our, our sort of area of, um, I, I suppose. What am I going to call it? I suppose
0: um, influence.
1: Influence. Area of influence. Out to. You know,
0: we might as well stick with it. You have embraced the influencer, so we might as well just just run with it. I think I. Would I think compare. I've said it
1: before. I love telling my kids that I'm an influencer, and they just still <laughs> they're still not impressed, and they still roll
0: their eyes at me. So say yeah. mine don't. Mine are at the age where you can you, know, you can come seven them. years old yet. Yeah. Daddy, you're on this whatever Spotify. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. You know, it's just, it's good. Just Google me, honey. Yeah. YouTube, whatever you choose, it's fine. (laughs) Well, I think that's a, that's a pretty good segue. So I'm curious as to things that you heard, because I think a lot of times we, we work with organizations, right, of all maturity levels. And We hear common themes and then we, we understand there's a common theme, but because every organization is at a different point, how does that common theme or how can it be applicable and what are things they can do? And I know for many of our listeners, you might, you've probably, hopefully have have heard this story. If not, you know, I, I highly encourage you to, to Google it. Um, Duck, duck, go it. Whatever your search engine of choice is, but look it out. Read about it because it can help. I think it can help tell the story. And you know, it's it is whatever twenty five, thirty years old. But I think you're going to see some applicability of what of what organizations can do. And Jaws, I would ask you to maybe to lead us and read read a little bit of the story, and then we'll kind of discuss.
1: Yep, yeah. and and I suppose this was. Um, this was prompted through a discussion with with Matthew Elson, who's our CEO, and Matthew's got a real focus on actually businesses doing the right thing, and and actually we still we still hurt and kill too many people across the globe in the workplace, and 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 one of the things we were talking about with Matthew, and he talked about it at, at the user forum, which prompted this week's pod, was. How can safety be used as a lever, lever? I'm, I'm, mm. I'm not going to argue mm. on the pronunciation. Um, how can it be used as a lever, not just to, to keep people safe, but also to drive better business performance? So so we wanted to use this week's pod to, to tell that story. And it's a, a story of a really well-known business. Um, and that business really was founded through innovation um and and their products or byproducts just about everybody who listens to the pod will have used um and and that company of course is 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 alcoa um and this is where it's going to get really challenging for me and langdon to agree on pronunciation um they invented the process for smelting aluminum or aluminium as we would say in the uk yeah um so prop Process, process, aluminium,
0: <laughs> aluminium. Lever, lever. This is, going to, this is a tough one.
1: <laughs> this is going to be a long part, isn't it? Um, but their products, when you stop and think about it, their products are used in so many different areas. So from foil that wraps chocolate to Coke tins through to bolts that hold satellites together. And as as Langdon said, this story goes back, it goes back to 1987 and, and they appointed a new CEO. Um, and and as is the way when you appoint a new ceo to a public business he had to go and meet with wall street and he had to go and meet with some pretty major investors who got a lot of money invested in alcoa um at that time the company was about 100 years old they were the, one of the biggest companies in the world but actually they've been really struggling because they made some crappy decisions and they'd lost a, a lot of business actually to competitors and Whilst there was a a real desire for this new leadership, the guy who was chosen wasn't well known. He was called Paul O'Neill, but his his background was really in government jobs. It wasn't in this type of a, a, a business. And to make matters worse, he started this investor meeting in a really unusual way. Because actually what he said, and I'll quote it, was, I want to talk to you about safety. Every year, numerous Alcoa workers are injured so badly that they miss at least a day of work. And our safety record, it is better than the general American workforce, especially considering the type of work that we do with molten metal and machines that could rip a man's arm off, but it's not good enough. And actually, what I intend to do is make Alcoa the safest company in America. And I intend to go for zero injuries. And I think I'm looking at Langdon here saying, that's a pretty ballsy thing to to sort of promise, isn't it? When you when you stop and think about it.
0: Because what they were having, wasn't it didn't they say an accident a week? I don't know, and you might have said that if I missed it, but I wanna s I mean, so you think and I just want to paint that right quick. Zero is nuts, but when you think of something like that So
1: it it so it wasn't even an accident a week, mate. It was it was an accident a week at every plant. So, so actually, you stop and think about that It's not the safest business in the world, is it um and 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 whilst we can debate some of the sentiments about zero injuries, which we've talked about before as has not really been maybe the best measure um but you stop and think about that introduction to a bunch of Wall Street guys who are really driven by profit and and loss um And actually, it probably scared the investors uh, uh, sort of because it broke away from the normal format that people would expect of that kind of a meeting. That kind of a meeting, what they're wanting to hear is how good this guy is, the qualifications he's got to, to run this business, promises about better profits and about lower costs, about minimizing the impact of taxes and business regulations, and really all those things that, excite investors and underpin capitalism. But O'Neill didn't really use any of the buzzwords or even mention any of those things like profits or taxes. He didn't even talk about himself. Um one thing he did do and you're gonna laugh at this Langdon, he, he actually pointed out the safety in the room they were in, so pointing out the fire exits and 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 I think that kind of almost got treated with some real scepticism. Um but and then he started to get some questions, and the questions that started to come were about those things we've just mentioned. So things like inventories, capital ratios, and his response, good on him, he, he kept going. So he said, if you want to understand how Alco is doing, you need to look at our workplace safety figures. And if we bring injury rates down, it won't be because of cheerleading or corporate speak that you hear from other CEOs. It's going to be because people and think about businesses, what makes a people tick. It's going to be about individuals at the company who've agreed to become part of something that they see as important, and they've devoted themselves to creating a habit of excellence. And I think that's a really interesting line, isn't it, Langdon? Um, yeah? Um, and safety will be the indicator that we're making progress in changing habits across the entire institution so that's how we should be judged um so really when you stop and think about that it's a really alternate approach that ha- actually had investors running for the hills and and selling stock because they have thought they got a bit of a lunatic in charge interestingly though within a year of that speech alcoa's profits had hit a record high and a quote from one analyst was, it was literally the worst piece of advice that he'd ever given to sell Alcoa stock. Yeah? Um, and by the time O'Neill retired in 2000, the annual net income was five times five times larger than it, than it had been. Um, and all that happened as Alcoa actually became one of the safest companies in the world. Um, you said earlier, Langdon, about an incident at every plant every week. Um, Once the safety plan was implemented, the worker injury rate fell to a 20th of the US average. So it definitely, definitely made a difference. Um, um, And I think one of the interesting things when you read the story is Alcoa was like a big dysfunctional family. And my analogy is, and and Langdon's laughing here because I mentioned this to him yesterday, was think shameless, but with lots of very hot metal. So, so if you've not watched Shameless, go and watch it, because it, it is quite amusing. Um, but 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 they had big problems because the workforce weren't happy, the unions weren't happy, the management weren't happy. And I think this is the really interesting thing, Langley, and I'm interested in your take on this. That what O'Neill saw was that actually safety was something that was important to everybody. So actually it was a great way to start to unify all those disparate groups and start to get them to pull together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's, you know, that, that to me, that's something we hopefully have tried to push uh, through the evolution of the podcast and even more so as, you know, I can remember, and I know I've given this example, a friend of mine, when, you know, before I got into the, even before I got into this profession, before I even got into my master's program <clears throat> excuse me for for this discipline i was i remember working with him just helping trying to make a little extra money and watching him go around we were doing industrial hygiene sampling and studies and there might be people he would see once a year now he he's the type he could talk to you know a wall he could talk to this golfer's lamp that i have right here and and he could carry on a good conversation But that's, you know, that's him anyway. So walking around and having that understanding of just communicating with people, people we hadn't seen in a year, maybe, or, or whatnot. And I remember talking about that. And then even after I graduated, got into the field and working and realized that's a big part of it because that's when you start building that relationship with people, building that camaraderie, when you start wanting their input. So to me, that's a, that's a crucial thing that we try to that's the whole importance of empowering you know it's making others leaders or whatever you want to call it empowered to to want to talk about it because they're the ones where it matters
1: empowering everybody yeah mm-hmm. see I lined you up perfectly to use the camaraderie word there as well I I? no thank hey. you well then um, I made it easy so 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 O'Neill came up with a plan and it and it was a real Sort of major realignment for for the business, and and the the starting point was really understanding why injuries were happening, why were people getting hurt in all of these plants on such a frequent basis, um, and to understand that he recognised that you'd really got to understand the manufacturing process and and where it had gone wrong. So he he sort of ensured that they had the right people in place who could educate around things like quality control, better processes, uh, and and make it easier to do things in the right way. Uh, and and the mantra that he really sort of brought in was if we do it right, if we do it correctly, actually it's also going to be safer. Um, so in other words, by becoming a better aluminum or aluminium company, actually they protected workers. So again, I think that's a really great mantra, isn't it? Whatever your business is, by becoming a better business Uh, whatever it is you do actually you you're probably going to keep people safer as well yeah um and the next part of his plan then was that whenever somebody was injured whenever an employee was injured um it was going to trigger a routine so every time anyone was injured in in a work unit or a business unit the president had to report to him within 24 hours along with a plan to ensure that it wasn't going to happen again. Um, And the reward was, the only people who got promoted were people who embraced the the system. Um, And unit presidents, pretty busy people. So to make that process work, what they had to do was really ensure that the communication channels they had within their business unit worked. So vice presidents needed to hear from the floor managers, floor managers needed to hear from the workers, Workers needed to raise warnings, and they also had to come up with and keep a list of suggestions ready so that when the VP asked for a plan, they had ideas ready. So you stop and think about that, we've got a ripple effect going on here because it's not just about safety. It actually made people talk to each other and communicate more effectively across the organization. So this is what Matthew was talking about, these levers to actually improve the business performance through safety um um so safety started to just drive a whole bunch of new corporate habits um and and just help to improve n- not just corporate habits but also behaviors so the unions stopped opposing rules that would hinder people or stop them from working out how to improve the manufacturing processes managers would stop resisting policies in a similar way and i thought a great one langdon was giving people the autonomy to shut down a production line if they felt that it was getting too busy or unsafe so they stop the injuries happening before they happen and again we've talked about this loads haven't we actually are pe- do people feel able to stop work if they if they see it, if they see something that's unsafe
0: yeah and i think you know to me and i, I don't i don't know so i can't speak to i mean other than <laughs> obviously research or whatnot, previous to really Alcoa, this was before my time, so maybe you can shed more light. Um, you know, you think about it, health and safety has made drastic, or EHS as a whole has made drastic improvements over the last hundred plus years since the foundation, you know, of, um, of OSHA, the OSHA Act, uh, whether HSE in the UK. So we've seen a lot of those, but it seems like It was still, you know, you had things you had to do, you had to do X, Y, Z, but it was still very much, you know, I won't say the wild west, but it was a little unhindered as far as what you could do. And for, and I think that's something that we can, you know, definitely take away. What he did was, and maybe they had good communication prior to this throughout, but he brought the topic of safety and what that does. So then when people were talking about it and then when you start seeing those positive ramifications, because I can think of a lot of organizations that I've worked with, even in the last few years, it's pretty, there's some that I I would say, you know, they're lower maturity, what we would put, that they just haven't had the need. And I don't mean that in a negative light. They just haven't had the need, honestly, for anything. Um, You know, it's the way it is. And that's kind of their view. They're open to discussing if something is come to light, but when someone actually stands up to make a change to say, hey, let's consider this. And that's what we see. I think even now, you know, every year we we talk about the NSC releases that the CEOs who get it and the organizations that, you know, the best of the best. And it's honestly, it's things that really he kind of instilled as far as that safe operations continually that you see driving that Better change for organizations, which in turn does it for people.
1: Yeah, and it, it it it's interesting, isn't it, when you read this story? Even, even just some of the things that started to happen off the back of it. So, so one of the you think about. They say this very casually. People were getting splashed with molten metal well it's only you, a flesh wound it was only a flesh wound it was only 1500 degrees yeah um you don't need that part of your skin yeah um but but that was one of the biggest causes of injuries was people getting splashed when they poured molten aluminium so actually one of the one of the things that came out of all of this was they redesigned the way that they poured the molten metal um so not only did it keep keep people safe it stopped them getting splashed with molten metal it actually meant they were wasting less so they become more profitable because they cut down on wastage and spillage so so just some really pragmatic things that they did that immediately affected people but at the same time helped the business um so so i i i th- I just thought it was a really great story um and, and again thanks and kudos to Matthew for reminding us about this story so that we could mm. we could come on here and talk about it um and and it may go back a, a number of years, but I think it still holds true and i think it's it, it's still a message that's got a real relevance today, which is is this this strong message that safety is a great lever to bring people together um I was talking to a business just this week, and and one of the key things they were looking at to improve their safe their, their safety management system, and one of the key things was to improve retention. Um, and 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 you, so you ask the questions, why is that so important to you? And it might sound blindingly obvious that yeah, we don't want to lose our people because there's cost associated, yeah, but also it's that loss of talent, isn't it? So actually, if 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 we keep our people their knowledge improves, they become better at the job, they do a better job, the business improves so there's just a really logical knock on effect to a safe workplace because people don't want to work in
0: unsafe places and people leave unsafe places well th- that's the i think to me that's a that is a really crucial aspect that we don't consider as much. And especially now we think about the younger generation, the work, I mean, we know, I, I dare say it's similar in South Cave and the wider London. I mean, we have trouble here having people work. I mean, it's, you know, restaurants that used to, you could go and I'm just using a restaurant as an example, but you would go, there were workers everywhere. You could go to that same restaurant, Chili's, whatever it is. And you're just kind of looking around and you count four or five workers and you thought it was COVID that really, and I think that's what began that, but now even more so younger generation, if they don't see that they're being taken care of, if they don't see that, I mean, there's some negative that, you know, we don't have to get into, but just some of the basics, you know, I know polls and studies have been done that if they don't feel safe and they don't see it. They're, they're not going to do it. So you Take think off. about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And that's a ton of, there's hazards in any job for the most part, but there's some that we have to have that they're relatively high hazard. I mean, it, it could be an electricity worker. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever. So if we don't figure out ways to instill that safe operation mindset or or continually try to grow and help them understand the importance of the organization and the employee. I think you, you know, to me, you hit that nail perfectly because it's very much there is a positive ROI. Now valid, you know, for Alcoa, they saw drastic improvements because, you know, direct costs started changing the indirect costs associated with, with incidents, with fatalities, medical, you know, yada, yada. So that changed, but then you start continually seeing the increase of revenues because because of lost time, because of injuries, and that's to me even if you even if you're still with an organization that you know we don't want to get people hurt, but profit profit profit, yeah I dare say, and I know I'm definitely could be proven wrong. there are still a lot of organizations that are having incidents and having expenditures that are associated with those, even if they don't think it is that drastic. So you think about just reducing it. I mean, and that's strictly, that's strictly a number. That's not even talking about the true moral of why you want to, you know, why you want to do it. I was reading about a an organization that, well, a friend of mine actually works at one. And one of the best things I feel like you can do is when you're if, if something changes, you know, I, I'll code it when they were losing some of the, the aluminum or the molten hot during the smelting process in the design phase. If you incorporate EHS perspectives in the design phase, that means you're considering it before it could even lead to something. That's when you start seeing changes, when you're thinking about it pre, then during, and then post to make sure that it's been it's been done and you're open to those changes. So it's, it's, it's that continual journey, right? That yeah. every I've, time you think about it.
1: I think that's a great point. And if you think back to the pod we did with Nick from Lotus, he, he made that point, didn't he? Which was, and it was a great, great to hear was when they built their new factory for building the new cars, actually the safety team were involved in the design of, of the production lines so actually they could ensure that actually we can try and prevent incidents before we've even started started producing anything um so i think it's a great point i think i think another sort of learning point from this story is something i think we've talked about it before which is in terms of the health and safety professionals is 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 being influencers you've got to be influencers if you're going to make safety some re- really something that happens across an organisation and I think one of the morals of this story is that actually who's interested in safety? And and, and you think about that, it's, it, it's it's unions, it's managers, it's it's senior leadership, but also it's investors into the business. Everybody's got an interest in safety because it, it can play a really powerful part in terms of that overall business performance.
0: And that's the challenge a lot of times is if some of the senior level don't. See the importance. You have to be an influencer as to why. Why does it matter? Why? What can we change? How can it be better? And that's, you know, some of the most difficult conversations are those that aren't having a lot of incidents or old school, quote unquote, um, in processes and procedures, but they're not having anything, and they do care about everybody. Those are some of the most difficult because they sometimes it's difficult to see the need for change. And if you don't have a fresh set of eyes, it's...
1: Yeah, or, or they're, not, they're not having incidents, they're getting reported, let's put it like that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think on a final note from me is the thing I love is we see it so often, and again, we've talked about this before, is, is we see it and hear it so often where senior leadership are going, yeah, safety's our priority. Safety's our number one priority. Um, but actually that's not then reflected in the day-to-day activities of the organization and i think this is a really great example of a ceo who is saying yeah safety is our number one priority but then actually following through on that kind of statement to make sure that it is a priority and, and 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 that priority runs through everything that the business does
0: Yeah, no i i would echo that and i think for me it's very much it is having an organization as a you know as an ehs professional it's very much understanding that I want to work for a company that cares about EHS, that cares about my safety, and then what we're what we're providing. Likewise, and right there's a lot that that don't. I've been very you know very fortunate in my experiences, for the most part. Have and maybe hit some periods where they didn't, but that's the organizations you see changes. And uh, you know, you brought that up earlier, and uh, giving an unintended shout out. Uh, conversations we have with Matthew or anything, he's very much. You know he he sees that valid or are we a high hazard industry by no means um yep. and but he understands the importance so brings it so for me it's you know it's refreshing because I'm like that's that's my profession that's great to hear so when we're transpiring and carrying that out I, I think there is there's something there's an easier value add conversation that you can have when you understand the mission so to speak I mean valid we all have to be. You know, we talk about that chart. We, we all have to be profitable. I'm not negating that. But if you understand the how you can equal the ultimate profits, which Paul O'Neill, you know, he he did definitely. I think that's when we can continue seeing better improvements.
1: So moral of the story, I wish I'd invested in Alcoa in 1987.
0: I wish I was old enough to have understood what that meant at the time. <laughs> I love it when I hear
1: you talking about young people. <laughs>
0: Well, see, that's what, you know, that's the thing. I I can walk the line because I'm not old by any means, but there's a drastic difference in my, you know, going on 39 years this year versus 24 year old.
1: And at that, I think that's a good point to wrap the pod. So I'm going to let you wrap us up, mate.
0: Well, everyone, we appreciate you joining once again. We look forward to seeing you next time. And as you're going about your daily walks, within your organizations, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your dearest family members. Remember to stay healthy and safe and watch each other's back out there. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Hey everyone. Really appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on
1: YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts. And in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great.
0: And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days, about your normal lives, stay safe out there. and Watch each other's back.